books on books on the brain. <laughs> hello, hello, listener. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back with another episode. We're back and we're better than ever. We are well rested from our holidays. Yes, ready to talk about some books. We're officially recording in 2021. Officially. Oh my goodness. We're here. I never so thought many this episodes year would later. Come. I know. I know. How's everybody doing today? Good. <laughs> I'm doing pretty darn good. Doing good. A little sleepy, but we're good. Yeah. How are you, Deirdre? Yeah, I'm happy to have this podcast to distract me from what's going on in the world today. This is far in the future, but I'm sure many people will have seen the violent mob that is in D.C. And, you know, we're not a political podcast, but I think it's, uh, it's pretty clear. Maybe it's not clear. Maybe we need to make it clear that I, I'm since I'm the only U.S. citizen here, um, mm-hmm. I am appalled by what's going on, and it makes me really sick to my stomach and sad and mad, and uh, I'm happy to have this distraction so that I'm not just stress scrolling on Twitter and glued to the news, uh, and that is all I will say on that. <laughs> Um, just know that like you are very valid in your feelings and it is okay to feel whatever you are feeling it is a very scary time um and there's nothing really we can relate this to so anything you are feeling right now is valid yeah and hopefully those of you listening in the future the outlook is a little bit brighter there fingers crossed so i hope so i think this episode's coming out inauguration week which is exciting. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully things are looking a little better uh, policy-wise uh, then. I mean, we have a long way to go in the politics of this country before people are truly happy, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going on today is just... I mean, it's not... It, the sad thing is, it's not unbelievable, because it does yeah. happen in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just surprising that civilians were able to infiltrate for lack of a better word our government buildings where people that run our country are working and nobody's doing anything to stop them yes i just saw a video of police officers taking pictures with the terrorists i will call them yeah um yeah so it's a very scary time but i'm happy to have this podcast to distract me from that and i'm really excited to just talk about books with you guys today um Mm -hmm. and talk about something that makes me happy and excited to be here (laughs) 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 what's a what's a little pocket of sunshine both of you've had in your lives in the past week oh i had one today i got so excited um so I use Libby to do a lot of my reading. I have, mm-hmm. and I am very um, grateful that my library system 
has a very large selection on Libby. I have been um, very vocal about that on TikTok that I do use Libby, but I have a very large selection of both audiobooks and ebooks and other uh, online content on Libby because of my library system. Uh, and I was trying to get the audiobook for Ray Bearer uh, by <laughs> Jordan Ifweku. Uh, I really hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, but my Libby app only had the ebook. Uh, and I also was hoping to get Lore, which just came out mm. as we're recording this yesterday by Alexandra Bracken, I believe her mm. last name is. And uh, so I was like, I think you can request books to come into Libby. So I was searching around the app. They told me to go to my library, so I ended up on my library's website, and I found a little suggestion box, and so I typed up a little email this morning, and I just said, hello, I would really like to get the audiobook of this and the ebook of this. I really like being able to use Libby. It's really made quarantine and this pandemic so much more enjoyable, uh, and I got an email back a couple hours later that she ordered both of them, and she wasn't able to get the audiobook for Lore, but she was able to get the ebook. Uh, and that they would be available within the next day or two on the app, which I thought was just amazing. Uh, and hopefully, because there are a lot of libraries in the system that uses the app, it's kind of like the area that I live in, each town has a library, but they're all connected. Mm-hmm. So all of them kind of share Libby. So I'm hoping that if those come on and people see that there's buzz for those two books, that more libraries will order them. So they'll just be more available. Uh because I think that's how that happens. <laughs> no, I actually sure. don't know. I'm, I'm uh, sure it happens. That's how I imagine it would happen. So that was my little pocket of sunshine. I'm going to be able to listen to the audiobook of Ray Bearer for free. Uh, and I'm going to get to read lore soon, uh, which is really exciting. And I think um, it boosts the author if you request things through your library. Um, and so especially since lore just came out yesterday, I'm more than happy to do that. I think that's so handy that like that whole interaction, like that's so like wholesome and just like and so bookish. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I mean, I I really haven't used my library in so I haven't used my library in so long that my library card was expired when I went to sign up for Libby (laughs) in May, Uh, and I had to create an online library card. They gave me like a temporary number, and then Mm -hmm. I had to go pick up my library card like a month ago. so I'm I'm happy to be supporting my local library again. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my little pocket of sunshine was that I got to see my dad yesterday. Um, he lives 20 minutes away, which is not far, but with COVID, um, I just haven't been able to see him as much as I want. Um, when COVID hit, I was in New York. And I hadn't seen him for about two months at that time. And then I went straight into my quarantine and then obviously like we couldn't see each other because of covid um so i went five almost six months without seeing him um and it was so hard because he truly is like my best friend um and i've seen him a few times since obviously um and yeah yesterday he popped by both wore masks gave him a hug talked for about 10 minutes and um yeah it just it made my whole week because i missed seeing him it was good to get a hug um so, yeah, that was my little ray of sunshine. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, my ray of sunshine is less wholesome, but 
but equally as exciting. Uh, the 13th season of RuPaul's Drag Race. The first episode dropped. Someone I go to college with is on. Oh, really? Who or I went to college with is on this episode. Do you remember episode. their drag name? Olivia. You know what? It's the first episode. I don't know anybody's <laughs> name super well yet. I know. We And when I say we went to school together, we were in the same program, but I actually don't think we ever actually worked on a show together. So I just knew them by association and yeah. their face. Uh, but I was very excited when my group, my little group chat from college was like, oh, they're going to be on Drag Race. This is so exciting. It is exciting. And I think... No one is working harder than the people at RuPaul's Drag Race of trying to save us through the pandemic. Like, there was three, I think there was three different versions of RuPaul minimum happening last year. Wow. Like, there was Mm -hmm. a Canadian version, there was an All-Stars version, and then there was a regular version, I I believe. Mm. Uh, But more more than, all other reality TV maybe needs to step up their game a little bit. RuPaul's really carrying the world on their backs. Uh, Oh, I believe that. But it's so excellent, and it's something that me and my mom will watch it separately, or sometimes we'll, like, watch it over Zoom, have a little Zoom party, and we'll talk about it. And it's just great, and it's... It's just pure happiness and sunshine and wonderfulness. So if you were looking for something uh, to watch to make you happy, the first episode of the first season. I mean, there's probably more episodes now because this is happening in the past. But go do yourself a favor and watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Season 13. It's a lucky number for me. So I'm excited. (laughs) I love that. So we do have some clarifications. Is that the word we want to use? We still don't have a name for this segment of uh, talking about things we talked about in previous episodes. But I did just want to clarify uh, Mm -hmm. First Kill, the TV show that uh, is coming to Netflix, written by V.E. Schwab, uh, because I wasn't sure if it was solely based on her short story. And there was an article done on (laughs) whatsonnetflix.com that I found published (laughs) yesterday so january 5th uh that has the most up-to-date information and it says that it is a fantasy teen drama written and created by v.e schwab the original is based on schwab's short story of the same name which was published in imprints vampires never get old tales with fresh bite uh so i do believe that it is her short story only that is being developed into these eight episodes uh that's what they've contracted so far so uh definitely if you are interested check out victoria's instagram because she Mm -hmm. really does post quite a lot on her stories uh updates stuff from the writer's room so if you're interested in being along on that journey i definitely recommend giving her a follow yeah cool yeah and then the other thing i wanted to clarify is uh (laughs) <laughs> me saying that I don't mind spoilers. <laughs> uh, and I don't. I truly, if I'm having a conversation with someone and they're telling me about a book or a movie or a TV show and they're like, oh, no, but I don't want to spoil it. It is very rare that I'm going to tell them not to spoil it because unless I am actively viewing it or reading it or whatever, I'm going to forget. 
Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been told a spoiler that is so earth shattering to me uh, that I was mad about it. I think if I had been spoiled by book talk on Avatar and Throne of Glass, I would have been mad. But because I knew I was going to read it within the year. Yeah. And a lot of the spoilers given on book talk, especially for the Sarah J Moss books are pretty big. Uh, so Those I'm glad <laughs> some of them are not true or, or I just misinterpret them. But <laughs> uh, so in those cases, I probably would be like, no, I mean, I was dodging throne of glass spoilers left, right and center. Uh, but like, I don't know, two, three months ago, I was listening to a podcast and someone was telling the plot of gone girl and i listened to the spoiler i was like i don't care i could not tell you what it is today oh really if you ask me what it is it's because i'm not actively engaged in it so that's true out my brain it goes i have too many other things i'm focusing on you know grad school being unemployed (laughs) 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 this pod this podcast my own reading uh so i just kind of wanted to clarify my feelings on spoilers because <laughs> uh, I feel like people might have been confused. <laughs> I feel like I'm the same way. Like I don't, I don't mind, but I, this last year, 2020, I got spoiled quite heavily for Cricket Kingdom. Um, and ever since then, I just, I, I hate, I'm like any spoiler. I'm like, don't talk to me because I don't know what level it's at. I don't know yeah. if it's like, I'm just don't talk. <laughs> like usually I'm fine. Like usually if it's like something that I'm not, it, like that I know I'm not gonna watch them just tell me or like if I'm, yeah. no I'm not gonna read it I'm like just tell me but recently I've just been a little hypersensitive on it there are definitely levels of spoilers like mm-hmm. like things that it really doesn't matter if it's spoiled for you and then yeah. things that are like this is going to change Grandiose. your perspective going into it you know and I think like book talk is a huge proponent of spoilers because people like taking the most dramatic like <gasps> part of books and just like usually making fun of it or putting it to a funny sound. Yes. So it, it lulls you into a sense of security when people don't have like a spoiler and you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh no, I can never unsee this. Yeah. Uh, not fun. Yep. I remember Deirdre and I were doing uh we were doing a live stream talking about. I think it was Empire of Storms before we got to, or Queen of Shadows, well, uh, a Sarah J. Moss book. And people in the comments were just trying to spoil and like being mm-hmm. super vague and stuff. And it's so frustrating. You're like, stop, I've gotten this far without spoilers. Yeah. If I'm actively reading a series, do you think you're being funny? I especially funny. when, especially in that case where we were doing a live and we still had several books left in the series to read. Mm-hmm. I was like, stop, you know that we've never read it before, and we are actively engaging in it. Stinkers. Nah. Stinkers. (laughs) I also have a love-hate relationship with the whole, well, it's already been out for so-and-so years. I'm like, listen, if it's a show or a movie, I understand. If it's a book, those those things take time. Let me live. Let me be in my happy little bubble of no spoilers, please. Yeah, I think it definitely depends, (laughs) because... This is, a, this is a funny story. So I went to go see King Lear on Broadway. Uh, mm. Was it King Lear? No, it wasn't. Henry the <laughs> Fifth? King Henry. Lear? Oh, what no. Is- <laughs> I don't, it was the one that was on like two or three years ago. 
And I can't remember the lead actress's name, but a woman was playing the king and it was a big da-da. And it was one of the, tr- one of the histories by Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And I have never read any of the histories by Shakespeare. So automatically I had no idea what was going on. Uh, and they kept it pretty close to the original text uh, and the similar-ish to the original length. We get to intermission, and I'm looking at my friend, and I was like, can we Wikipedia the summary of this, <laughs> please? Because there was nothing in the playbill. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I am not falling into the Shakespeare uh, rhythm. I don't understand. I Visually, I see what's going on, so I have an idea. But um, so we got up out of our seats to stretch our legs, and we're standing you know, against the wall, there are a couple people around us, and we're just talking to ourselves, reading the summary, making sure we know what's going on. And we started uh, reading ahead to know what's going to happen in the next part of the play. And the people that were sitting in front of us happened to be standing in front of us, and they whipped around. And they were like, could you not spoil it, please? And we looked at them and we were like, you don't have to listen to our conversation. This is, it's, Broadway theaters get loud at intermission. You have to actively be listening to the person standing next to you to hear their conversation sometimes. And we were standing far enough away that I was like, excuse me. And then uh, my friend's coworker was with us and she (laughs) looks at us and she goes, Oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to spoil a play that's 400 years old. <laughs> and also about history. like Right, yeah. right. It was so funny. I was like, this is one of those situations where it's like, really? Really? You're going to ask for no spoilers? This isn't a new play. Yeah. That's like someone going to Hamilton and being like talking about Alexander Hamilton and someone turning around being like, ah, could you not spoil it? Right. Sir, it's history. It's history. We're maybe too late. Actually happen. Uh, So that's my funny spoiler story about something that that came out a long time ago. Let me look up this production so that I can uh, correct myself inside of this episode. Uh, While you're doing that, it's funny that you mention Shakespeare, Deirdre, because... Today we're talking about books we read in school and memorable things and all that stuff. And I'm not saying I am the owner of a brand new Segway, but she might be. Danielle is the queen <laughs> of our Segways. The queen. I, I wish you guys could see Carly every time I do that because it's just like her face disappears because she just is laughing so hard. It's like out of I'm frame. like on mute. I'm just howling. <laughs> So I do well, have my do it so well. my clarification. It was King Lear. I was right. Yeah. Uh, starring Glenda Jackson as Whoa. King Lear. It was She was fantastic. Uh, aside from me not understanding the actual plot of the play. King Lear's a confusing one. All of the histories are confusing. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. Thank they are. You. They're my least favorite Shakespeare's. Don't tell him I said that, but they are my least favorite Shakespeare plays. Sure. Resurrect him from the grave. Uh, Danielle actually doesn't like <laughs> your histories, so... Guess Yikes. what? 
never read Shakespeare. I only had to act it out in my theater class. So, well, I guess I read it to read to to act it out, but like that was that was it. I've never actually read any Shakespeare. We read Shakespeare every year from grade six up to grade twelve. We read a Shakespeare play. Oh. So we read we we did the gambit of, of a lot of Shakespeare plays in my school. Yeah. And I don't I Shakespeare okay the, maybe the maybe this is a controversial topic but I personally feel like Shakespeare's really great at what he does and like his his plays are in curriculums all over the world. Like, everybody reads Shakespeare everywhere for the most part. But, like, there's other playwrights of that era who write pretty good plays, too, and they don't get the love they deserve in schooling and in curriculum. And Shakespeare was one person, and he just kind of gets this monopoly of this era and the voice of this time. And I'm like, there's other people, Shakespeare. Especially in high schools, because we only read Shakespeare in my high school and then Mm -hmm. obviously I read some of it in college because I studied theater but uh there are so many playwrights throughout history both recent history and ancient history (laughs) you want to call it ancient no well no going back to to Greek uh yeah plays and things like that so yes ancient ancient history um there are so many things to study and we did do Medea when I was in high school Mm -hmm. uh and some Tennessee Williams oh yeah uh love but um yeah I and I also am 90 yeah I'm pretty sure that was in my dramatic literature course where all we read was plays my senior year Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so had I not taken that course I would have only read Shakespeare as a playwright in high school and, and there's so many other great playwrights, like there Arthur are. Miller. I know they're not of the same yes. era, but even, like, Christopher Marlowe of that same, literally, mm-hmm. like, Marlowe was writing right as Shakespeare was coming up. He's got some great plays. Yep. Hmm. Stinky Shakespeare. Stinky man. <laughs> we wanted, we had gotten into a conversation last week a little bit about books we had read in school, and it was something that we... After we finished the podcast, we're kind of talking a little bit more about it and felt like it was something we could expand upon a little bit because it's a really interesting conversation to have because, A, geographically, the three of us are in three very different places and we all had to read different books for curriculum in a high school and middle school. Um, but it's also a conversation of like now us living in 2020 where so many different discussions are happening. What are some things that you would love to see? on the curriculum and things, important stories that you feel like aren't being uh, showcased enough in schools. I think it's a, I personally think it's a really interesting conversation to have. Um, so there's a couple books in school that kind of ended up being like all time favorite books for me, which is surprising because there was a lot of books I read in school that I was kind of like lukewarm on. Um, but my favorite book I've literally ever read from school, we read it in grade six, and it's The Giver by Lewis Lowry. Um, it was, like, I have very vivid memories of reading this book and just being so enticed by the world and just so consumed by it. It was the first book that, like, I would read, and it was, we segmented it by chapters, which is my least favorite way to read books. When they're like, read a chapter tonight, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I don't like when uh, we would do that in school. 
because I think it really breaks up the flow, especially when you get towards the end, you're like, I want to keep reading. <laughs> um, but I was such a blabbermouth, I couldn't keep reading because I wouldn't spoil it for everybody because I just was too excited. But The Giver was, like, I remember the being one of the first books that, like, I was so moved to tears and, like, I couldn't express it in class. People didn't like it as much as I did. It's a really cool story. The world was so interesting and just to have a book that was about like a person who holds every memory for an entire society and having to pass that down to somebody else and like the idea of like colors and sound and music being passed on like it's such a inventive idea and for someone who I really like artistic stuff I was like ah oh, this is so freaking cool there's also parts of that book that I'm like what like reading it again as an adult I'm like whoa no this does not stand the test of time and I know they recently made it into a movie which is not my favorite um not my favorite adaptation it's a it's a pretty fair one it just I feel like it's better as a book but yeah the giver I have not it, uh, I posted a video about a tiktok sorry of the giver Everyone's like, have you read the three three other books? I'm like, no, I haven't read the three other books. So I will eventually, but I feel like the first book ended, if you know the ending of The Giver, it ends in such, it's like a beautiful open ending where you could go on, but it's kind of like, it's an all-encompassing ending where you can just kind of leave it and it's nice. Um, have either of y'all read The Giver? Have, I didn't read it in school. But I read it, I want to say like a few years ago, and it was definitely one of those books where it was nothing, like I had, like it, was, it wasn't like any book I'd ever read before, and I was mm -hmm. so encaptivated by it that I think I flew through it like within two days. Um, that's me flying through books. <laughs> it's, a, it's a short yes. book, but it, it, yeah. Um, and I think that the concept of it was so beautiful. Like just, I'm, I'm a very visual person, mm -hmm. um, and so reading books, I, it's a love-hate relationship because I almost wish I could see it, but I also love imagining things. And the fact that like the whole color premise was such an integral part into the plot was so beautiful for me to read as someone who likes to look at things. Um, but yeah, the ending of it definitely was interesting. It, it, it kind of leaves you hanging in a weird way. Um, and I also have not read the next books in it. Um, maybe one day, but... But right now, I'm good with the first one. Yeah, like, I don't really feel any... I know they're probably very good books, but it, for me, the ending was, like... I remember when I was young, the ending was not enough. I was like, how? What yeah. do you mean? This is over. This doesn't... Exp like, it It was enough. But as an adult, I'm like, I'm happy with it. Yeah, It's, like, a different definitely. perspective on it. I've uh, not read it. And I, I didn't even know it was a series. I thought it was one book. It is a series. Uh, have you seen the movie with Taylor Swift? No. It's her big acting debut other than Valentine's Day. And the giver, like the actual giver. <laughs> the um, That man just stole my heart, made me like feel so many things. And I was mm -hmm. just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, what's the right word? Um, trying not to swear here. Um, I enjoy the mentor trope, like, like having yeah. someone 
teach the main character something. I, I enjoy that trope. Yeah, and I, it was kind of like a dystopian novel before we got the Hunger Games, right? Like, yeah. in this world where you're born and you hit a certain age and you're told what career you're going to do for your entire life. And this boy gets, like, this job that was last by, last given to this old man. He is now the new giver for this society. So they have to transfer all the memories from the old giver to the new giver. So he gets to experience things like war, but also, like, snow. It's great. That's so cool. And I love that he, like, the first um, sign of color he sees is his friend's hair color. Because it's red. It's red hair. And he's like, and I'm like, he's so cute. It's really good. Maybe I'll put that on my 2021 reading list. I don't know. So I don't it's think it's genuinely old so to be good. a classic yet. <laughs> I was like, I it should be. I think it's on I classics right lists. I think it is. I have it right here, but I have the movie cover. Boo. Ooh, boo. 1993, boo. which is literally. <laughs> if that's on classic lists, and we're we're we're. <laughs> oh god, that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you have not read The Giver, I think it's the the best book that. I read it in school by far. I think I was maybe, grade six was maybe too young for The Giver, yeah. some parts of it. But um, I'm glad I read it when I did. Because I think the kids are around, I don't even remember how old he is in the book, but they must be like 13 or 14. Yeah, they're on there. So maybe it was like, maybe I was just too sensitive, and I get that. <laughs> I get that critique of myself. Uh, the second book, I feel like, is maybe a lot of people's favorite and again, I say favorite by, like, not the content of the book, but the feeling, I don't know what I learned from that book, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. I really, really, really liked that book. That was the first book that I read in school that I felt like when I was coming to class, I had things I really wanted to say about it in discussions. Because usually, like, you do that thing where you're like, okay, I'll think of one thing, so I get my my participation mark in this discussion, and it's whatever. But it was the first time that the subject matter I felt so passionate about. I love that we get this perspective through scout's eyes who's a little girl in the story we get this really big broad topic of racism and and prejudice in our in this world in the u.s not in this world in the u.s uh it's just really it's a masterpiece of a book and i think a lot of people read it in school because it's one of those books that tackles issues that a lot of classics do but it does it in a way that feels like we can still have conversations about it and we're not excusing the way that the information is presented there's a lot of books that are classics that deal with racism that you're like oh gosh i don't know if we should be reading this still in school it's important to acknowledge history and literature that comes from history but you have to look at it through a historical context of this is the era it was written in and sometimes it just the the content of it doesn't equal what we needed to be talking about in 2020. You know what I mean? I feel like To Kill a Mockingbird does a really good job of that. The yeah. sequel, however... <laughs> that was the a sequel that was published enough. after her death? <laughs> yep. 
that was probably the fastest I've ever DNF'd a book. I think I maybe got two pages in and was like, this ain't it. Wow. This ain't it. Uh, we read To Kill a Mockingbird, but my teacher had us read the screenplay. Oh. So we were reading the script of it and watching the movie. Like, we weren't doing it at the same time. We, like, yeah. would read a, a couple bits and then watch the movie and then read a couple bits and then watch the movie with Gregory Peck. I think that's what was the, the logic behind it? I have no idea. Because huh. I actually, I did really like To Kill a Mockingbird. So then I, and I think I might have bought the book before school started uh, to have a copy because I didn't realize we were going to be reading the script. And if I remember correctly, <laughs> playing on 10 years of uh, knowledge at this point, um, I think I read the book while I was also reading the script because there are okay. differences in the script like it's a screenplay yes, it's going to be different um yeah. but i actually don't remember if i ended up finishing the book or not <laughs> it it's just it's one that i think can continue to still be taught and used in classrooms and i think not a lot of books can say that i feel like nothing has really been written that does what it does i agree it's maybe the best way to say that i think moving forward it is a really good uh piece to look at but it's also important to look at the white saviorism inside of it as well absolutely you know um i feel like teachers don't talk about that and especially hearing a lot of people especially this summer critiquing uh Mm -hmm. white savior books like the help and to kill a mockingbird um i think that's an important piece to also be taught inside of it while it's being taught yeah using it as a tool to have further that discussion yeah. I think it's have those hard discussions that need to be had in classrooms, I think, is really important. Exactly. And I think it is a good book to do that with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think I see a lot... I see a lot of people having conversations about To Kill a Mockingbird, and it's always done in a way that feels... Like, we are all on the same page, which feels mm. nice. At least the people I come in contact with that I talk about, it's right. everyone kind of sees it as in the same way. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I read a lot of books in school, both personally as fun reading, uh, but also inside of classes. Um, and I don't really remember a lot of them. <laughs> Uh, which is fine, I'm sure. I mean, I know I had reactions to them. Um, but one of the best slash also most memorable memorable books I read, uh, similar to Danielle, I did it for a book club style read where we were put into little groups and we had to pick a book to read among us and discuss and do a project on. And I read A Fine Balance by Rohinton Mystery. And if I hadn't had this project, I don't think I would have ever come across this book. I have read it one time and it has really stuck with me as something I'm really thankful that I read. So I'm going to read you just the little blurb from Goodreads because (laughs) it's a pretty hefty book. It has... um, 
603 pages. So it's it's a big book. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so here's cool. right. Um, so here is the little blurb on Goodreads. Uh, this novel captures all of the cruelty and corruption, dignity and heroism of India. The time is 1975. The place is an unnamed city by the sea. The government has just declared a state of emergency in whose upheaval in whose upheavals four strangers a spirited widow a young student uprooted from his idyllic hill station and two tailors who have fled the caste violence of their native village will be thrust together forced to share one cramped apartment and an uncertain future as the characters move from distrust to friendship and from friendship to love a fine balance creates an enduring panorama of the human spirit in an inhuman state Ooh. Yeah, and as someone that knows absolutely nothing about the Indian caste system, yeah, uh, it was very interesting, um, and just I'm still <laughs> I have like this feeling of awe when I think of the book. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really remember a lot of details because it's been so long since I've read it, uh, but I think the fact that it still resonates with me and I can still think of the title and. Um, know that it has impacted my life says a lot about it and it's definitely one that I would like to reread soon and just remind myself of and then a book that I read my freshman year of high school which a lot of people in my high school I'm not sure if it's across the U.S. have to read this uh is Night by Eli Wiesel I think that's how you say his last name um it is a memoir which I don't recall reading many memoirs in school uh and i wish they did more nonfiction reading uh and this is about someone that was in auschwitz during the holocaust and it's him talking about his experience in auschwitz Mm. uh which i do think is a very important thing to teach in school uh and one that i'm very glad that i did have to read as hefty as it is, I think it's important to have those hard-hitting topics, especially, um, I live in a very privileged area. I'm not mm-hmm. ashamed to say that. Uh, my parents just happened to pick a really great neighborhood to move to when they got married, and they didn't even realize where they were moving when they got married, which is actually hilarious. Um, so I am glad, knowing the climate of where I live, that this book is in our curriculum, uh, and that people that do live a very privileged life are kind of forced to read this thing that did happen mm-hmm. in our history and is very horrible. Um, just, yeah, I think it's it's a very impactful book, and I'm really glad that I read it. And my last best book is Frankenstein by Mary mm-hmm. Shelley. Um, I was like, I don't have any classics on my list. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I loved Frankenstein. I had such a fun time reading it. I think it's one of my favorite classics ever. I need to reread it very soon. I think I'm going to put it on my 2021 reading list and maybe find an audiobook for it. Um, but uh, something that my teacher did was if she could show us a movie adaptation, she would. But instead of showing us the movie of Frankenstein, she showed us <laughs> Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Which, I mean, I love, because I love that movie. It is so funny, and I think it's a really interesting 
way of showing a theatrical take on a classic uh, and an interesting choice to do in a high school setting. Um, we were I was also kind of in like an artsy honors program, which was attached to my English class. So it kind of made sense, but it was just weird choice. A weird what a, choice. What a true adaptation of Frankenstein. Right? <laughs> like really, really encapsulates the uh, true feelings of frankenstein and the monster absolutely absolutely it's just it's so funny and if you haven't seen young frankenstein i highly recommend it it is it's a trip you'll be laughing the whole time or you know watch the musical you could do that too i've never read frankenstein oh uh but i had to I had to watch the national theater production of it with Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Another sidebar, but like, holy smokes, is that yeah. play? F- it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Wow. Hopefully, now instead of Young Frankenstein, your teacher maybe would present <laughs> the national theater production of it. Maybe, just maybe. <laughs> I'm sure she probably would. <laughs> And then I have two under most memorable, and they're both from middle school, uh, Mm. because I really have never heard people talk about these books. So the first is Frindle by Andrew Clements, and just Andrew Clements books in general. Um, I think he came to my elementary school and did a, like, author event when... Mm. I was, before this, I was, like, Googling his other books because I remember I DNF'd Frindle. I didn't get to the end of Frindle, but I read his other books. So I think, I think the one he came to our school for was actually the report card, (laughs) Um, which was published after Frindle. And then I kind of remember seeing the cover of the school story, Um, but Frindle just stands out so much in my mind because one of my close friends at the time was obsessed with it. Uh, and for those of you that don't know what Frindle is about, there's this kid in elementary elementary middle school, like that cusping age. Um, and he decides that he is not going to call a pen a pen. He's going to call it a Frindle and invent a new word. And the course of the book is about how it's like about words, basically. <laughs> and the front cover is him holding a pen. Uh, and I love that you both got so excited about Andrew Clements. I was like, I don't really think people talk about him as an author. Uh, it's just Frindle. I, I've never read of any of his other books. It's just Frindle. I think that's his best known. I loved Frindle. I loved Frindle. Yeah. I just, it, and when I think about books from that time in my life, it always jumps out, even though I DNF'd it. Um, I said this previously, but um, like as a young child i wasn't a huge reader um but frindle was definitely like one of the books that i sat down and read fully and really enjoyed so who what kid doesn't love a book where another kid just totally sticks it to the man and is like i'm gonna do things a different way well that's like what all of his books are about like Mm -hmm. the school story is about a girl in sixth grade i think Yes, her and her best friend are in sixth grade, and one of them writes a book. And she's like, I want to get this published, but I'm 12. So her and her best friend make up, like, 
pen names and her friend is her publisher. <gasps> and it's about her getting this book published at 12 years old. Yeah. Easy. That'll be us one day with Carly. We'll just come up with fake pen names and then get Carly's book published. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just it's really interesting uh all of his all of his books. Um and then the second book in this category I couldn't find online. So I might not actually have the correct title for it. Oh. And I don't know the author. Um <laughs> but I think if memory serves correctly, it was called The Ocean. And I remember we read it in seventh grade. And it's essentially about a middle school class that does a social experiment um, mimicking the Nazis. So some kids are given a badge to wear that puts them in a like elite group. And the book goes through a social experiment of like, do you start to edge people out because they're not wearing this thing? And like, what how, do you want to now get into this group? And I just remember it being so fascinating because we were the same age as the kids in the book. Yeah. And they have done social experiments like this before. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> Um, At least I did the not Google that. Experience. Yes, yes, that like was that. the one that I was thinking of. Um, and it was, it it is it is a really interesting book because then it's like the teacher is trying to like keep it under control because it is school, um, mm-hmm. and how all of that came into play. Um, and I just remember like really being hit by that book, and. Yeah. Every time I think about schools that I read, like in middle school, that's always one of the first to come to mind, but I could not find it in Google. <laughs> so I actually don't know if that's the right name of it. Uh, but I it's do just think. It's a fever dream. I think it was called The Ocean because I think it was something about how like the, the symbol was like a wave and it was like the symbolism of it was kind of like this group of people is like taking over like a giant wave and um yeah um so yeah that is my my best slash most memorable and they were all from high school and middle school i love it um so if y'all have noticed i've been a little quiet this episode because Oh, my school system. Oh, wow, I hate it. Um, I read three books, like, through teacher discretion. Is that the right word? I don't know. Um, my entire schooling career. Um, I We didn't have required reading. We didn't have required reading lists. We didn't have any of that. Um, so I have three books, and I those are the entirety of the books I read or had to read in middle to high school um and so we're just i'm gonna start off with a bang with the first one um the hunger games Mm -hmm. so i was in grade eight i had just started a new school um and uh my brother had introduced me to the hunger games and so um i'd read the first book i read the second book and i think it was like the first day of school i was reading the third book and i was sat in front of my humanities teacher's desk 
Um, and she goes, oh my gosh, is that Mockingjay? And I was like, yeah. She was like, I finished the series last week and I absolutely loved it. And so we were kind of talking about it a little bit. Um, and she had shared with me that she, we were, I think we were supposed to read. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what we were supposed to read. Um, <laughs> but she was saying that we were supposed to read this one book, but she was going to try and push so that we could read The Hunger Games. Um, and I got really excited. And um, it was actually a blessing in disguise that we had had that conversation that day because the next day I was reading during our reading block in that class and one of my favorite characters died. Um, yeah, and I was sobbing. And she saw the look on my face because she's sitting right in front of me and I have it open and I'm just like... And she's like, did it happen? She's like, you can go to the bathroom if you want. I was like, thank you. And I literally sat in the bathroom for 10 minutes and I cried. Oh, that's um, so nice. Yeah, she was very, very nice about it. I love her. She she definitely had, like, some chutzpah in her. She was very, like, feisty and, like, was like, go to the bathroom. It's fine. Like, But anyways, the next week, <laughs> the next week, we she had announced, she was like, I don't care if school board doesn't like this, but we're reading The Hunger Games. This is going to be our required reading for the year. Um, and... We started to read it and it was really nice because I felt like I had this secret with her um, because we were the only two who had read the book. Um, and I can't remember if this was a fever dream or not, but I'm pretty sure she took us to go see the screening of it. Whoa. Yeah. I, I couldn't oh. wrong, but I'm That's pretty fine. sure she took us. Yeah. She was a, she was a really awesome teacher. Um, I, I think I have more experiences about reading books than I do of the actual books. Like, obviously, I had already read the book at this point. Um, Hunger Games shaped me as a reader. <laughs> um, and I think at such a young, I think we were like 13, 14, I think at such a young age, reading that kind of material was important because it wasn't far off from where we are now. So it kind of, uh, kind of helped move it along. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I know schools, like, now it is part of curriculum, and a lot of schools read Hunger Games. Um, which is a kind of a cool place that we've gotten to, that teachers can, like, put books in the school and into curriculum that kids are genuinely interested in. Because you can't Mm -hmm. tell me there was a single kid who read Hunger Games and thought, this is boring. It's so interesting. Uh, but I, it's not so much... Yeah. In Canada, I see it's in the U.S. There's a lot of people who will put that in the curriculum, which is great. There's no, there's, the writing is great. It's totally, yeah. like, at a reading comprehension level that a lot of kids can get it. And it's genuinely, like, it speaks to so many people at so many different ages in their life. It's a great novel. It's a great series. Yes. I agree. I wonder if it's on, it has to be on a banned book list. Oh, well, I'm sure. <laughs> when I went to uh, when I went to Powell's bookstore in Oregon, yeah, it was they were they had like this wall of like um, books that have been blacklisted, and The Hunger Games was on it. That that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> banned books. It's so interesting to look at lists of banned books and see why they were in, why they were banned. Mm. It is Ooh, really that, interesting. That could, a, that could be an episode in and of itself. I think mm-hmm. the fact that we still have currently banned books is wild. Stupid. It is Stupid-o. stupid, Carly. It is, it's really stupid. I'm not going. It. I 
am only not going to use the word stupid because I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. Because somebody made the decision to make it a banned book, but is it a dumb decision? Yeah. <laughs> there are some books that I understand, like, conceptually. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, if it's in the hands of a teacher who's not great, mm-hmm. or, like, interpreted in a way that is not the intention of the book, I could see why there. it's probably better just, like, no. But there's a lot of, like, even if books have controversial topics or something, there's always a way that you can teach and learn from these books. I think it's really interesting because I feel like a lot of the books on banned books lists that I see are um, books with, like, magic in them or witchcraft. And there's, like, a religious reason why people don't want those books read in school. And I just, I, I can't get behind the mindset of not letting someone explore their imagination. This lady came into the bookstore um, and she was looking for um, a book. It was for Christmas. Um, and she was looking for a book for her niece. Um, and she, so we're in the 9 to 12 section. And I'm like pointing out all these books like Percy Jackson and Warriors and, you know, all of the ones that are really hot right now. Um, Wings of Ruin. Ruin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever yeah, yeah. that one I is. I know. Oh, I know all about Wings. <laughs> yeah. Um, and anyway she's like oh do they have magic in them and i was like well yeah they're nine to twelve um <laughs> I'm like what else would they have in them uh i was like yeah and she's like oh no we don't wow. we don't support we don't support black magic here black magic <laughs> i had a friend in school that her parents wouldn't would not allow her to read or watch Harry Potter. So, like, growing up, you guys are probably very similar. Like, the Harry Potter release kind of chronicled my life. <laughs> like, in grade school, the new book would be, or the new movie would be released mm-hmm. on DVD, and then we'd watch it for probably the closest next, like, holiday. Uh, and sh- every time we ha- watched a Harry Potter movie, she had to sit in the hallway by herself because her parents did not believe in magic because they were very religious. And I'm like... Out of all the things to take issue with in the Harry Potter series, I am not positive it's magic is the biggest one. And listen, I I grew up in a small city where um, we were in the world record book for most um, churches per capita. (laughs) Congratulations. Um, So I live in a very religious town. Um, I grew up with very religious friends. I grew up with very religious influences. My parents are religious. Um, but my sister has ADHD and I guess when she was like 10 years old, she was going to a, um, Christian school and she, she had picked up Harry Potter. I guess my mom had bought it for her or someone had given it to her and she was reading it and she had brought it to school and the principal's wife called my mother in for a meeting and so my mother went in and was like what is the problem and the woman was like your daughter is reading witchcraft and we don't support that here and my mother who is religious looked this woman dead in the eyes and said i don't give a what she's reading as long as she's reading i'm happy yeah because my sister had never picked up a book before my sister had never picked up a book before my mom's like i don't give a what she's reading as long as she's reading and anyway my mom pulled her out of the school shortly after so 
I think that's so true. Like, I, I personally don't have an issue with, for the most part, I think there are some exceptions of kids reading books outside yeah. of their age range, as long as they have adults to talk to, or, like, content that, like, is a little bit harder to, to chew on or whatever. Yeah. Like, if I had a child who wanted to read Harry Potter, I would let them, and then I would take the time to sit and have conversations with them about, like, this is why people do the things that they do in the series, or, like... Like, it's an opportunity to have conversations with people, and people, and I think, uh, I think kids should be allowed to read whatever they want, because I think, Carly, you hit the nail on the head. If they're reading, that's amazing. I also think, yeah, it has a lot to do, I was talking about my mom, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, about, oh, this is like a sidebar about parenting, but the way we grew up, this is a whole can of worms to be open, but the way we grew up, at least for me, was parents dictating what we did. Whereas now, a lot of parents are taking the time to have actual conversations with their children and listening to their children and Mm -hmm. being like, how does this make you feel? How can I do better? Whereas we didn't, I mean, for me personally, I didn't really have that. Um, So I think that's also something to consider is that now parents are like, okay, I didn't like the way I was raised, so I'm going to do different with my kid. So that also, you know, plays a part in all of this. Right. It's almost like kids have their own agency and they like have their own thoughts and they can like make their own decisions. It's right. What a concept. What a concept. What a concept. What a concept. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at. I just pulled up a list of banned books and it's really interesting which ones get the most banned. It's in the U.S. Uh, but you know what does not appear once on this book? Mm. On this list. Flowers in the attic and. Every single person in my comment sections where I talk about books I read in school read Flowers in the Attic, and this does not show up once on a ban list. I, Tell me how that works. I have not read Flowers in the Attic. The only reason I know about Flowers in the Attic is because on My Favorite Murder, they attempted to do a book club one time, and the first book they picked was Flowers in the Attic because they all, the two of them were like, oh, I have fond memories. And then as they were reading it, they were like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what are we reading and went into it on the podcast and i'm like i had someone in my comment section tell me one of their favorite books was flowers in the attic and i was like are we gonna talk about the incest plot line yeah because that's what the book is about isn't it it literally is like murder and incest as someone who has a like like you can talk to anyone in my immediate family or like immediate life i have a very close relationship with my brother and it makes me uncomfortable that people are so comfortable with that i don't understand i don't and you know what it's there's a whole other like conversation about taboo subjects and how the the lens in which we need to look at different taboo subjects right but like i think it is universally known that flowers in the attic mm, she ain't the one (laughs) She, she ain't, ain't the, one. the one. That might be the only book that I would be like, yeah, you could put that on a banned book list for high school. That because... is Lolita. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Because I, unless you have a teacher that is really going to be able to break down Flowers yeah. in the Attic and really have effective conversations about it, which, mm-hmm. I mean... I'm not going to knock English teachers. Like, <laughs> y'all have no. been doing God's work or the universe's mm-hmm. work, I should say. Let's, well, yes. I won't throw my religion into this. Um, <laughs> but I, I just don't know how many high school English teachers are going to be having these types of conversations that need to be had with a book that has this type of subject matter. Yep. Exactly. I agree. I, I um, agree. Going back to my list. <laughs> yes, a large uh, sidebar. 
<laughs> it's all good. Um, again, when, like, I'm going to be talking about these books and I'm going to be talking about like what happened around me while I was reading these books because, to be honest, the books were not that memorable, at least the next two coming up. Um, so in grade 10, our required reading was The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Finn and his whoever the heck else was with him. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> his buddy, that. his pal, Huckleberry Finn and... <laughs> The friend. Huckleberry Finn and... <laughs> Hold up! It's, it's Tales of Huckleberry Finn and Pals. Trademark. That's the title. Yeah, that's it. It's not. Yeah. It's not the title. Will that be the title of the episode? Wait, who was his friend? <laughs> I don't think we can friend? put that in the title. Who was his friend? Oh no, this is gonna trademark. bug me. Who was his friend? Tom Sawyer and... Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Um, anyways, anyways, back to what I was talking about. Um, I couldn't tell you a lot about that book. All I can say is that these two dudes ran away with some other dude. Um, I sparked notes the sh** of the rest of the book because I was so not invested. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um... But the good thing about the class I was in while I was reading that book was um, the teacher was very, very nice. And he like he was one of the best teachers we had in the high school. Um, he would just do completion marks. He's like, I don't care how bad you do on it. As long as you hand it in, you get 100%. Um, That's the way to do and, it. Yeah. And so I, I really liked him. And um, I, like, I was sat with like a group of people. It was a really weird group of people. The, the guy I had my first kiss with was <gasps> in that group. Oh, tea. You know what's okay? Sidebar: Very main character of me, but I actually have the guitar that he gave me. I still have it. Wow! A whole ass guitar. It's right there. You can't see Dang. it, but I'm pointing to it. Um, and I, we were friends at the I time. I never got a guitar from a boy. What the heck? <laughs> um, hopefully he doesn't ever listen to this. Uh, but if you are listening me. to this, I take it. To, I take a guitar. Yeah, same. Give it out guitar to one. It's a cute little romance. <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, we, anyways, anyway, I'm not getting too personal. I'm not getting too personal. Anyways, um, so that, um, yeah. Yeah, that book. I, I sparked notes the rest of it. Um, so did everyone else in my group. We, yep. we just did not enjoy it. And then the last and final required reading I ever did was the worst one of them all. What? Okay, the worst one of them all. Oh, I. Sorry, I'm just so. Um, You're like magic hurt by this book. You're like magic mirroring it. Like you have to put an air of, of uh, yeah. like mystery around it. The worst. Of exactly. The worst of all. Listen, I will never say I hate a book, other than this book. Um, I yeah, I was like, <laughs> I think I say it every second day. Like, like, but, like, I genuinely can't find anything good about this book. Like, usually I can be like, like, maybe, but I haven't read a lot of books. Anyways, uh, The Lord of the Flies. I I just need a moment. See, okay, (laughs) I think this more had to do with my misogynistic feature um, than anything else, because the preface that we had going into this was... This is a book about young boys who get stranded on an island. And it's about boys because if it happened to girls, they would slit each other's throats within the first 10 seconds. 
you this know was what? also the teacher who refused to call me by my actual name no matter how many times i corrected him he called me carrie instead of carly um no. <laughs> yeah and i would be like my name is carly and he's like okay carrie no. bro <laughs> you want me to um, carry your ass and just fucking <laughs> yikes what the heck Mm-mm. yes um and anyways um i just remember reading the book and just being very like disinterested in it because of how it was prefaced and i just like i already knew i had this i didn't i didn't have a name for it but i had this feeling in my gut i was just like i don't i don't like the situation it was misogyny um i just i just (laughs) didn't like any of it (laughs) um and anyway we finished the book and i couldn't even tell you i had to do a project for it i remember these three guys took the song by lord royals and like rapped to it about lord of the flies so i can no longer listen to royals by lord (laughs) thinking Mm. of that song um i think i think the book was good in its time um and there's nothing should remain in their time exactly (laughs) i like there's nothing i can like specifically say that i like hated about it i just didn't enjoy it i just didn't Mm. i didn't enjoy it i didn't enjoy the environment that i was reading it in and i think that had also a lot of like it it played a big hand in it um so those are the three books i've read in my school career i think it's it's really interesting all the books we mentioned like probably the most contemporary book out of all those books was the hunger games yes Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like there's a transition now to using trying to use more contemporary books in school because there's only so much you can hear of like old white men (laughs) you're like "Ah, this still feels relevant this still feels like something i can learn from but we wanted to kind of propose some books for any teachers out there or um, government officials who regulate curriculum Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you wanted to add any of these books this is our uh, little soapbox moment where we we can talk about books that we think should be on their curriculum uh for a variety of reasons um i have i have it's technically four but it's two okay (laughs) hear me out um the first it's actually a picture book and hear me out it's it's a series of three picture books oh books okay (laughs) i think i know what you're gonna talk about uh there are three picture books that i came across i worked at a school in between a couple things um and it was a book that I was reading with kids, and specifically kids with anxiety. And it's it's a series called What Do You Do With A Something. So there's three books. What do you do with a problem? What do you do with an idea? And what do you do with a chance? And these three books, first of all, are so beautiful. They are, The illustrations are like... I'll post some photos on the day this episode goes up on the Instagram, on our story, because they are truly some of the most beautiful illustrations I've ever seen. And all the books start out black and white, and as the story sort of grows, or like they come towards the solution or resolution of the problem, the book turns to color. Uh, Specifically, the one that I love the most is What Do You Do With an Idea? Um... What's great about the book is the main character in the book has no gender. It's just called 
the child a child. So oh. it's, it's like so universal. And it just kind of talks about like, specifically what you do with an idea talks about one day this idea that's personifies is this little egg that has a crown on his head and follows this kid around and is like the kid's like ashamed of the idea doesn't want to like give it any time or attention and then as the child embraces the idea it gets bigger and bigger until one day you realize what you do with an idea you change the world and like oh come on that slaps what a good resolution. But there's this whole idea that picture books have to be for children. And they really don't. You can be right. any age and you can pull things from picture books. And it is so interesting to see. Even like I took an education course in university. And to see a professor reading a picture book to a whole bunch of university students just as engaging. You can still have great conversations about the content in these books. There's nothing about picture books that are aged at all and I think people have this like weird weird problem with picture books because they feel like they're only for children and they're not they're yeah. not they're so excellent uh and sorry I didn't say the author is Kobe Yamada mm. uh great 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 cannot say enough go buy them for your children if you have children go buy them for yourself if you just need a little inspiration they're wonderful that's it. That's all I got. That's, what you That's got. all you got? That's all I got. <laughs> I had a really hard time coming up with these because uh, I remember I was in a live, I think, and we were talking about books that we wish were done in school. And I said, the hate you give. I would really love to see that read in schools. And a lot of people were like, I read that in school. That's in my school's curriculum. And I was like, oh, wow, I really am so out of touch with our uh, curriculum these days because I <laughs> haven't been in high school in years. Um, mm-hmm. So I was kind of doing some brainstorming and something I wish that had been made more accessible to me as a student was knowing that audiobooks exist, especially for a lot of the books that are being read in schools. Like if you're reading a classic, an audiobook exists. And, um, you know, I just recently read The Picture of Dorian Gray for college uh, for my university course, and um, I listened to the audiobook of it, and it made it so much better for me to understand than if I had just gone straight to the text. Um, I know not everybody processes audiobooks this way, but for me, sometimes getting information orally helps me process. Um, And then also having the text in front of me to look at and annotate inside of my book. Um, And I kind of just wish that more of my teachers had had been more willing to talk about the different ways that you can ingest reading, Uh, Mm -hmm. especially because that's what we were doing in class. We weren't learning about the English language or like really analyzing literature. We were reading. (laughs) Um, And I think maybe there could be a little bit more of like teaching the skill of reading and the different ways of reading. Um, And sometimes I find if there's a book I'm having a hard time getting through or one that I know I want to read, but I've been kind of putting it off, at least in the last year of listening to audiobooks, it's really helped me get through more of my TBR um, because the narrator just puts something into it. And these people are professionals. (laughs) Uh, who, you know, know how to tell a story. Um, And 
I, I don't know how many people are going to be like, yeah, I agree with this, but I would also be interested to see if they entered graphic novels into curriculum. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's a form of art. It's a way of, te- it is a way of telling a story. You know, we show films in class. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with congesting a, st- congesting, ingesting <laughs> a story. Uh via a different form of art um and it i don't know some people might disagree but i think it would be a really interesting way to get people more into reading and different Mm. ways that you can be told a story i knew like a big complaint uh in high school when we were reading any book was like just a lot of people just didn't have the attention span to do so and i think when you only give someone one way of doing something it's not going to go over well because we all learn and perform differently and so when you can provide your students with other ways of ingesting material that is how you succeed and that is how you can make your your students feel like they have succeeded yeah because if you're not you're literally just testing reading comprehension which is not reading right it's not all what reading is is whether or not you can read books and understand what they're saying like there's so much more to reading and I think that's why there's this weird like gatekeeping that happens with reading especially because you have to read in school where people Mm -hmm. feel like reading in school is done in a way that takes out a lot of fun of the reading sometimes especially if you don't have an English teacher that's willing to go a hundred extra miles to get you involved and get you excited about the reading and picking books that are interesting to you and sometimes that's limitations of curriculum sometimes that's limitations of a thousand other things and it's not the teacher right uh but it is so unfortunate the lack of accessibility for children who learn different ways like there's there's no way that everyone learns the same way and it turns kids off of reading it's such a young age that we see i don't know if you guys i see a lot of people uh that i have conversations with that get into reading later in life they're like i did not like reading in school because it felt like it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that must be because they were forced to do it in a way that was totally not the way they learn. Yeah, or they're reading books that are just sometimes boring. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even boring books can be made better when you're doing an audiobook at two times the speed. Because at yep. least the pace is faster than you can get yeah. through it. And yes. that... And ha- like being in a situation where you're like, okay, we're going to listen to the audiobook and you're going to have your physical book in front of you and you're going to write notes. If I had learned how to do that in high school, my college career would have been <laughs> so much different. Oh, yeah. True. You know, they, I, and I can only speak from my own personal high school experience. I do believe that curriculum and teaching styles have evolved in 10 years <laughs> um but i i can only speak from the experience that i had 10 years ago um where i was not i was thrown into a class and we're talking about um like analyzing things and the symbolism of this and i was like what are you talking about like we didn't do that in my previous classes and i just constantly felt like i was doggy paddling my way through class and just trying to learn as I went Mm -hmm. um and I think that made me feel like I was at a disadvantage in those classes and I loved reading 
Um, speaking of material being boring, so. <laughs> And I, I will say, I don't love using the word boring with books because I think it can sometimes be an insult to the author, yeah. but I I don't know what other word to use. Like, there are some books that are just dense. Even dense Dry? isn't always the right word. Dry is a good word, um, you know, because I feel like boring can kind of be insulting sometimes. Not your it, cup definitely. of tea. Not my cup of tea, yeah. Um. So I had I had written a list, but then I, I decided to veto it. I don't like it. Um, so this is how I am going to proceed with my section of this topic. In schools, from what I'm hearing, there is a list that you are like. There's a. What am I trying to say? There are classics that usually get taught throughout school, and it is a universal thing. It is known that not many people enjoy it. It's almost as if we should not read those books anymore. Um, what a concept. <laughs> I, I, do, I do think that there are some books that we need to read, obviously, but I think there needs to be more diversity in books when it comes to reading materials in school. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also think in the context of classics... It doesn't always help to just shove you into an 18th century novel when yes. you're in, when you're a sophomore in high school. And I'm comparing this to my experience that I just had with Dorian Gray. I had to read it for a fashion history course um, where we were learning about fashion and society in the 19th century. And we had to read a 19th century novel and talk about if we were going to use it as a primary source in research, would it be a good use um, in mm. the context of fashion? Mm. And it really helped me come at the picture of Dorian Gray in a different way because I was viewing it as a contemporary in the 19th century. Mm. Because that's what it was. When it was published in the 19th century, it was the contemporary of the time. Yeah, and right. I don't think there sometimes needs to be a little bit of context inside of classics. Um, yes. And they don't just need to be handed like, here's the book, we're going to analyze it. Um, also, with books like The Picture of Dorian Gray, there was a lot of that book that was taken out and mm -hmm. has only recently been put back in because of the person that Oscar Wilde was. Um, yes. So that is also something that happens with classics is there is this censorship happening, uh, which as an art form, that's not okay <laughs> to be doing no. still. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree. There kind of needs to be a way to, because I do think classics have value, you know, like Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. It is the first sci-fi novel. She mm -hmm. created the genre of sci-fi. Like that is so huge. And mm -hmm. it really is a fantastic book written by a woman like there is so many layers to it um but unless you have a teacher that is going to help you really like peel back the layers because of the way it's written you're gonna have a horrible time reading it well exactly exactly and that's like i think my, like my whole point is when i think back to grade 11 um i hated my life high school was not a good time for me anyways the one book that i read in grade 11 that actually stuck out it was on my own i read it 
was All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven. Um, It tackles mental health um, between two teenagers and suicide and um, the, the hard topics that I needed to hear in that time to know that I wasn't alone in what I was feeling. Um, And I think in the context of like what we should be reading in high schools, I think we should be reading or, you know, providing students with materials that they can relate to. Like there are so many, especially now we are very privileged with materials that we can provide students that will fit everyone or at least most. And especially where I live, um, I live literally next door to a reservation. Um, You know, indigenous communities here are severely struggling right now um and i think it would be so impactful if we found books of indigenous voices and had those taught throughout schools because they don't they don't have that they have to read these classics and it's not fair um so i think my whole point that i'm trying to drive home here is that (laughs) um i just think there's more relevant material now that we could be providing students that would actually help them and let them know that they're not alone and that they that there are stories out there that have them in it I think that that is more important I think back to me in high school I'm like what were the things that I felt like were missing from the books that I was reading and it, a lot of it was like these big issues and things that I'm like oh my like things that are feel important to me weren't happening in the books that I was reading in school and like nobody wanted to talk about them and I was like I need someone to talk to about it even if it's seeing it in a book at least it feels like validation exactly (laughs) but I think the there's like this fine balance with like curriculum stuff and like looking at it through an educator lens yeah definitely you've got to have like you've got to have some of the classics but it's also like you got to handpick them a little bit you got to be smart about what you're picking and you've got to be like, why not do a Lord of the Flies and then find a contemporary retelling of Lord of the Flies? There's so many yeah. that you can pick from. And, you know, like, there's so much you can do that you're like, okay, here's what this was. And then this is what people are doing now. And comparing and contrasting, that's, in my opinion, I think that's kind of the ticket is finding themes within these books that are happening in classics and happening in contemporaries and seeing, okay, well, in the historical context of when this classic book was written what was shocking surprising normal about this book and then in our contemporary world what's shocking normal and surprising whatever about this book Mm -hmm. i think that could lead to some interesting and like engaging conversations because a lot of the times i don't know about you guys in high school when we would talk about books in class it was like pulling teeth nobody wanted to talk about (laughs) any of the books in our classroom because it felt like you were regurgitating things you were supposed to say not things that you actually wanted to say yes well, and I think, I think that's just the biggest thing is that when you're just forced to say something for a mark, you're not, your students are not invested. Um, and you brought up the Lord of the Flies, which we all know, <laughs> I've already gone on my tangent, but um, I'm still, I'm still powering through Wilder Girls by Rory Power. Mm-hmm. And it is definitely a Lord of the Flies-esque type of book, but like gothic. Um, and it's sapphic. So it would it would comparing those two books in a classroom i think would be extremely interesting because it's allowing the normalcy of sapphic but also looking back at what was you know classic then and yada 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 i i guess the slightly 
unfortunate slash hopeful thing with having this conversation is that, you know, I know we all want to see representation in the classroom, but it is unfortunate to know that if a class was presented with a sapphic book, there could potentially be backlash from people for that. Um, And I think that's a whole other conversation, but that, you know, we're thinking of our perfect dream world where Mm -hmm. people are accepting and not ignorant or, uh, yeah, are just accepting of every identity and um, type of person that exists in this world, you Mm -hmm. know. That's a good point to make. This is definitely a dream dream a dream yeah. world and hopefully right. we can get to that one day but <laughs> we understand that the things that we're saying might be controversial because they couldn't happen in classrooms right now but that's okay because we're actively trying to make the world better so that one day they can happen in classrooms and that is yes. really exciting yeah absolutely so should we talk about some current reads Ooh, baby everybody. yes we should let's, let's get out of our past Come into the come into the present. <laughs> I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna come onto the Segway train. I'll get there one day. Um, I thought that was pretty good Segway. <laughs> so what is what is everybody currently reading? What are you gonna tell us about today? I feel like I'm a broken record. No, you're I'm... not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Don't say that, I'm Carly. I'm reading Carly. like seven books at the same time. I have so many to pick from. <laughs> okay. Um. I am slowly but surely making my way through Addie LaRue. I'm, like, reading a chapter a day, and yes, the chapters are only, like, two pages long, but, like, I'm, we're working through it, okay? I just, I just had my last day of work at the bookstore that I work at, um, and so my life has been a little bit of a roller coaster with emotions, mm-hmm. um, but now things, the, the seas are calming, and so now I have time, hopefully, not within the next two days, but hopefully soon, um, to read it. Uh, I just have a quick interjection. Uh, a friend friend of the podcast, Cameron, she uh, she just finished the audiobook of Addie Liver last night and loved it. Yes. It's funny because Cameron, uh, she posted that she, she was reading it, or maybe I posted that I was reading it, and she was like, oh, I'm on page 37. I was like, oh, I'm on page 21. And now she's finished, and I think I'm still, like, on 25. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's okay. It took, me, it took me a month to read Addie. From yeah. the day I started it to the day, it took me a month because I was so bogged down with school. I read literally like a page a day. Mm-hmm. My coworker, she said that she has picked it up a few times, but the pacing is just really slow that she's not sure if she's just mentally ready for it. So there's that. Um, reading Addie LaRue. I'm loving it. Um, my French best friend, Marie, she was like, what is this book? And I'm like, ma'am, it takes place in France and New York. It is right up our alley. Yeah. Um, we lived we lived in New York together. Um, mm. And uh, I am also, I have picked up uh, The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, the audiobook. I finally picked it up again. Ooh. And I'm listening to it. I am trudging my way through it. We are getting <laughs> through it. <laughs> Let us know how the audiobook is. I'd be very interested in doing yeah. an audiobook, physical book side by yeah. side read. I think that that's the best way to um, do it is mm. side by side with each other. Mm-hmm. Let us know. I think we're going to do it whether y'all want it or not. But I think once Carly is done with Addie, we are going to dedicate <laughs> a full episode to 
Addy, spoilers and all. Uh, I have just... already, yeah, I have already started annotating and highlighting the crap out of that book. So we are most definitely doing an episode on it. Yeah, so you yeah, can all let look us... forward to that. <laughs> let us know if you have any things that you want us to talk about with Addy or your own thoughts. Because maybe yeah. we'll include them in the episode. Um, What I'm currently reading, <laughs> uh, it's actually when I just finished. Um, and it is, I'm trying to do this thing because <laughs> I feel really bad because last year I DNF'd so many books and I don't usually DNF books. I had a hard, I had a hard time finishing books last year. I would get like 50% of the way through and just stop reading them. But I finally picked up the audiobook of Caravelle by Stephanie Garber and I finished it after like being pretty vocal about not liking the first half of it and by first half I mean the first 100 pages because let's be honest I didn't get halfway through of that book um but the audiobook was really great it, it the book works much better when it's going two times the speed <laughs> in my opinion the pacing gets better uh so yeah I'm trying to do this thing I'm calling it redemption arc reads where I just re-give re- books a chance that I DNF'd because there's a reason I picked them up for the most part it's because people recommended them to me so I'm trying to make my way through my list of books and Carvel was actually pretty good if you like circus murder mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> circus murder sisters and um the style of book where you get to the end and you're like, oh, I understand that none of what I thought was happening was happening. It's not like a mystery. Well, it's te- technically a mystery. It's like the premise is two sisters who write to this man named Legend who has this magical thing every year called Caraval that's like, if you win, you get a wish. So they go and one of the sisters, Scarlet's been writing him letters all her life being like, mm, I want to go. And he's like, finally, when she's going to get married, he's like, you can come. Uh, so they go, and then the sister gets kidnapped. So she has to find her sister by the time Caravelle ends, or some bad things happen. Um, it was a lot more adult than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. I was driving when I was listening to it, and I was like, do I need to pull over? <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> do I need to turn this off? Jeez. Uh, but it was good. I'm excited to get the second book, because it's from the other sister's perspective, and it kind of builds on the the first book a little bit more so i'm excited to see what that one is about but uh yeah try audiobooks my friends <laughs> they help a lot if you don't like a book the first time around try the audiobook genuinely I helps i'm the biggest proponent of audiobooks i swear i've been like beating the audiobook drum on tiktok this week i'm like read <laughs> audiobooks <laughs> yeah you might as well you might as well so the book I'm going to talk about is the one I just started it today, and it's the audiobook of The Duke and I, the first book in the Bridgerton series. Wow. So, obviously, watch the show. We talked about it in a previous episode. Carly finally finished the show last night, so all three of us have finished it. Ha 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 ha. Yes. Um, and I think I might have talked about this in a previous episode. Don't remember. Uh... 
that I knew the show was coming out. I was really excited about it. And then I found out it was a book series, but I didn't have enough forethought to be like, I'm going to read all eight books or at least the first book because that's what the first series was based on before I watched the show. So I watched the full season and now I'm excited to go back and read all of the books. Um, I'm not a big romance novel person. Uh, it's just something that I've never... Mm-hmm. It's, I'm slowly dipping in. I got into a couple of romance novels, like contemporary romance novels, I guess, mm-hmm. last year. I'm putting a lot of air quotes. Um, <laughs> and so I, I'm kind of excited because I love historical fiction. So I feel like if I read a handful of romance novels a year, it'll um, fulfill some of the things that I miss out in on, miss out on in some historical fiction romances. Uh, so The Duke and I is starting off it is very similar to the first season already i mean the first season was based off of the first book so it's really mostly about simon and daphne and Mm -hmm. them uh kind of coming together forming this uh friendship slash uh partnership (laughs) so that neither of them have to uh meet the expectations oh i just have a question um in the book, is the Duke black? I don't think so. That's unfortunate. I think a lot of the racial casting decisions were made specifically for casting. Yeah. Yes. That's because what I've read, too. The There was a very specific uh, mention of him that uh, he has piercing blue eyes. Oh, interesting. And I was like... So he's either, like, a very blessed mixed-race man yeah, or he's white. So I'm assuming that when it was written. Because okay. the author is white, Julia Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. not that we like to make assumptions, but um, I do think that a lot of the diversity in casting was because Shonda Rhimes was producing yes. it. I yes, agree. yeah. Um, I was just gonna say, now that I've finished the series with my mother, that was an interesting roller coaster. Um, don't watch it with your mother. Uh, <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Oh, because like, I've heard you two talk about it before, and now that I've finished it, hearing you talk about that specific part, I'm like, oh, makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Everything's kind of connecting in my brain. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean... I would be more than happy to do a deep dive into that topic if that's what people want. I know it's a very um, triggering topic, so obviously we would need a little bit of time to let you guys know that that would be coming. Um, But it's something that the three of us have kind of been talking about, and something that we talked about making this podcast was that we wanted to have some of those harder conversations and really uh, take apart things that people had kind of talked about in passing on TikTok, but that you don't really get to dive deep into on TikTok. Um, so if that is something you would be interested in listening to and hearing us talk about, please let me, let me, let us, oh my God, let the podcast now. <laughs> DM us on Instagram at books on the pod. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's my current read or one of my current nice. reads. <laughs> that's so exciting. You have to let us know what, I will. I will. I'm a little nervous to listen to the audiobook. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think someone put out a TikTok that was like, I need to know if the books are going to make me blush as much as Mm -hmm. the show is. Like, am I going to be like giggling behind my book? And 
everybody in the comments was like, yes, if not more so. So I'm a little nervous to listen to it. No. (laughs) I feel like some of those things you just need to read and like it's for your eyes only. Um, So we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) I think we did it. We did. We have one little piece of business to do before we adjourn yes yes danielle why don't you Uh, take it away do 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 i will uh (laughs) we have something really special planned would you like a drum roll (laughs) yeah just give me a constant nice orchestration as we go uh folks on the brain podcast we'll be having our first ever guest too loudly (laughs) (laughs) yes air guns thank you uh when we were first discussing the podcast we obviously wanted and had a dream of having guests on the podcast and a person that immediately popped into all of our heads is someone that is coming on next week and we truly could not be more excited to have the opportunity to chat with them so please mark your calendars for next wednesday and get excited for our podcast with book Talks, Easy Cat, Jason Henley. It's going to be so fun. We are so excited. We are fangirling. We are so, so ready to have a really cool and awesome conversation. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So get excited. Make sure you come back next week to listen to podcast yeah. and make sure that you are subscribed or following us on whatever podcast platform mm-hmm. you are listening to us on if you would be so kind as to rate review and subscribe that would really help us out and kind of mm-hmm. let us know where we're at uh and we do upload every wednesday i believe at this point now we are on all podcast platforms so apple podcast spotify stitcher anchor everything ones else you've never heard of <laughs> ones we've never heard one. of google podcast <laughs> i didn't even know google was a platform for podcasts um, i didn't either and we're there <laughs> yep. uh so if you're finding us on another place and you want to go somewhere else we're there check us out <laughs> you also be Heck sure yeah. to be following us on our instagram that is where we will be doing all of our updates at books on the brain pod Yes, that's it. <laughs> be sure to be following us on our personal social platforms. I am Deirdre Rose Morgan on both Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I'm d.j.books on TikTok and Instagram. And I am Carly Rakashi on Instagram and Library of Carly on TikTok. Woo! Woo! Right. And if you have any questions or anything, you can shoot us an email. There will, of course, be a link in the show notes for you to mm-hmm. find all of our socials and anything else you could possibly want from us. All right. That's it. That is it. Yay. We'll talk to you guys next, or you all, excuse me, uh, next week and uh, with Jason. So see you next week. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye, friends. Bye.